We're going back to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel meaning the good news. And we're going to look at the good news that A very fitting song just before the message as we look at Luke chapter 2 and basically verses 11 and 12. But the title of the message is The Simplicity of It All. And perhaps maybe I should have titled it The Simplicity of the Christmas Message. It's amazing how we take the simple things in life and make them so complicated. And I guess perhaps maybe it makes us important if things are complicated. But God knows that when it comes to salvation, the simple understanding of it all is vital. It is important. And so I suppose the really simple, most basic message of Christmas can be boiled down to this. Number one, man is a sinner. And he cannot save himself. Secondly, that God knows the helplessness of man, and so he sends us a Savior. He doesn't send us a religion. He doesn't send us a denomination. He sends us a Savior. And then thirdly, and God gives us a sign so we would not miss who this Savior is. Luke chapter 2 and verse 12 says, And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This was the one event in all of human history that God wanted to make sure that no one would or that no one could miss. God had promised the Messiah as early as Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. God made sure his prophets shared God's plan for a savior. In fact, the Bible's central character is that of a Savior. If there is one message from the scriptures that God wants every human being to understand, it is everyone's need to be saved, regardless of how good you or I may feel that we have been or not. God says we need a Savior. And He's not asking our approval. He is not even asking us uh, the assessment of ourselves. He is simply saying, you need a Savior. And so he sent us a Savior. Isaiah nailed it in Isaiah 64 and verse 6, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. It has moved us away from the truth. Understand, first and foremost, this is God's perspective. Yours may be different. However, God's perspective is the only one that counts in the end. And so as we near Christmas and all the celebrations, we need to make sure that Christ is at the center. And those celebrations should be one of worship and adoration that honor and glorify him. All of it. So we're going to be looking at three points this morning, the Lord willing. 
dealing all with the sufficiency of the Christmas message, the sufficiency of it all. Father, we pray that you guide and direct as we look to this message. I, I trust and pray that it's a simple message. Lord, I, I believe it, it traces the core of the most important theme and message of all the scriptures as it culminates in the person of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, whether it's the salvation or the rededication, we pray that your spirit will work very hard with great power, with great might to break down those walls that have been resisted in some people's lives that they might surrender and receive Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, for those, Lord, they're saved and they know they've been saved, but Lord, they're not, they're not pleased with the nature and the quality of their Christian walk. And Lord, they are wrestling. May this be the day that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God works on them and they get the victory before they leave the house of the Lord today. Lord, you guide, you direct, and bring about your perfect will. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. The first point is, is the simplicity found in Christ. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This verse in Luke 2.11 says everything that is necessary for anyone reading their Bible looking for eternal hope. And it is a Savior. Isn't it nice to know that you don't have to go through life wondering if you're going to, when you die you're going to heaven? Isn't it great to know that when you die your next breath is in the presence of the Lord? instantaneously so it is simple it is straightforward you need a savior there is no need to add or detract from this straightforward statement no need to add to it I mean, what can I I'm, I'm a sinner I'm a sinner saved by grace now but prior to my salvation, I was saying, what could I ever possibly add to what only Jesus Christ could do? This fallen world, from Adam and Eve and the years yet to come, has always needed a Savior. Salvation has been invested into a person, not a religion. I think that really probably got to the I don't know, to the Jews in a way that, wait a minute, this is not what we had interpreted the scriptures to mean. This is not how we had interpreted the scriptures to say it. This guy came as a baby. And he didn't come as a champion. And he didn't come to put the Romans in their place and to liberate Israel. And so they rejected him. But nonetheless, salvation was going to be invested in a person. If God had meant for more to be necessary other than just his son, would he not have added such to the scriptures? Wouldn't he have said, you need to be saved, plus, 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 plus? You need to be saved and do, 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 do? Huh? Yes, no? He didn't add anything. He said, you need a savior. Okay, what do I need? What do I need to do? I'm going to tell you. Just hold your, hold your horses. 
Now, to add to the message of for unto you a Savior is born is to believe that somehow God is nearsighted. And he had to make some corrections and some adjustments and some updates as time marched on. Boy, if that's your God, he's just a little one. He's just a little God. I don't know about you, but I've got a big God. I've got a God that is so big, he doesn't need my help. Amen. He doesn't, mean, he doesn't need me to put my oar in the water about salvation. He just needs for me to just say, unto you a Savior is born. That's all he needs me to say. And so the point to be made is that God knows everything past and present and future. He knew when I was going to get saved. He knew at what age. He knew at what place I was going to get. He knew all of that. And so at the age of 13, Route 13, Bristol, Pennsylvania, that meeting campaign, I received Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And so the point to be made is that God knows everything. If we turn very quickly to Galatians chapter 1, and, you know, it doesn't take very long. It wasn't all that long after following the death of Christ that there were attempts to retell the story. And then when the New Testament began to be penned, there were those who began to make changes along the way. But this is important because all down through the centuries, Man has stepped away from this babe in a, in a manger that grew to a man who at the age of 33 allowed the wickedness of this world to nail him to a cross. And Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And he says, I marvel. Now he hadn't been gone from, from Galatia, from the, uh, from the Galatians people in the city of Galatia all that long or in that region. And he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of God unto another gospel. And we should marvel as we look out over the world and we see all these various religions in the world. Where did they come from? Where did they get their incentive? Well, they deviated from the simplicity of the message that unto you a Savior is born. And his name was not Krishna. It was not Buddha. It was not any myriad of other names that you might know of through, uh, through idolatry. And uh, he goes on and he says, I marvel that you so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. I don't know about you, but those who have turned from the scriptures that Christ is the only Savior that God has presented and that faith in him is the only means by which we can be saved 
And they've added all these other things to it. He says in verse 9, as we said before, so say I again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that she have uh, received, let him be a curse. So, 2 Timothy 3.16, and we're all familiar with that. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed this book. God breathed it out. This wasn't Paul sitting down there. Hmm. I wonder what I need to write about today. I wonder what I should say. I wonder what I should... No, he was inspired. Now, Paul didn't lose his personality. But God inspired. God breathed on him. Paul, this is what you write. This is what I want you to put down. I want you to put it down for all the ages. And yet somehow, somewhere along the line, people decide, you know, it needs a little bit more. We need to add a little bit of this and a little bit. Listen, uh, sometimes you may need to add a little bit of salt to your meal. You don't need to add anything to this book. It is what it is because this is what God wants us to have. It is sufficient for all of humanity from Adam until the last man when the rapture occurs. And so all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's valuable to you for instruction, for correction, for reproof, and instruction in, in our, for, our, for our spiritual life. Listen, you can be a sinner and read this Bible, and if you're open to it, the Holy Spirit of God is going to show you that you need a Savior. And he's going to show you how you can accept the Savior by faith. And then amazingly, when the Holy Spirit comes in, we begin to understand more and more and more and more as we go along. So God's plans are all irrevocably written in, his, in this book called the Bible, and nothing more needs to be added. Yeah, but these churches have this, these churches have that. Listen, if they don't have the Word of God, and they teach that Christ is the only way, they're lying to you. They're ripping you off as to spiritual truth. And we are... Twice warned, get this, we are twice warned to not add or to diminish from the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Well, maybe I don't like this, so I'm going to take it out of the Bible. And there are some who do that. Or I, I, I think I can, I can embellish. That's why you've got to be careful about commentaries. Commentaries are not the word of God. They are what a man has studied and believes that this is what it, what it says or means, or he's going to expound on that. But that's not the gospel truth. It may help you to understand it. It may help to enlighten you. But the truth of the matter is, you need to spend some time in the word of God. And you need to do your own study. And the Bible will interpret itself. Amen. But sometimes you just need a little push over the edge and you have to find some trusted uh, some commentaries uh, for sure. And there are some that are out there that are very reliable. But also in Revelation chapter 22, so from the uh, um, book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Decalogue, then you can go to Revelation, the very end of it, in chapter 22, verses 18 and 19, for I testify unto every man, that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Listen, I, tell, I don't know about you, but I, 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 can, I can find enough trouble for myself. I don't have to go out there and say, God, I need a few more. So I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do No, I'm going to do that. And so the next verse says, And if any man shall take away from the words of this book, 
or this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now, I don't believe somebody who is truly saved, who has truly come to a saving faith in the person of Jesus Christ is going to be dumb enough to take away from or to add to the word of God, knowing the danger that they place themselves in. So I'm sure that this, the verse 19 would have more to do with those who are not saved. And uh, you look at some of these other various religions of the world, and you look at the component parts of, of their religious beliefs, the things that they've got out there. Some of them are almost laughable if they weren't so seriously wrong and sinful in nature. But anytime a church says you've got to do, you, you got to do this and this and this, you've got to become a member of this church, aren't you glad that you don't have to become a member of Calvary to get saved? You don't have to be a member of the congregational church. You don't have to be a member of the Catholic church. You don't have to be a member of this, that, or the other thing. All you have to do is understand what God said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And so... Why people can read the book and then look at the tenets of their faith and say, where is the scriptural origin? Well, they'll say, well, by divine revelation. But divine revelation no longer exists. When the word of God was complete, divine revelation was not necessary. God had given to us his complete word. He says so in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And when that which in part is done, and when that which is perfect is come, then that which in part will be done away with. And so, Satan alone has a vested interest in adding or diminishing from God's words in his attempts to mislead as many as he can from the truth and God's word in truth. John 17, 17, which is, by the way, if you read John chapter 17, verse 1, and read all the verses that are contained in there, that is the Lord's Prayer for the believer. And he says in verse 17, uh, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. You don't need anything more than what's in this book right here. You don't need anything more. Anything that is added extemporaneous to this book is worthless, pointless. But worse than that, it's destructive because it broadens our uh, one's belief beyond what God has given to us in the scriptures. And it is amazing how many people will hang their eternal destiny on whether or not they are obedient to the word of God and obedient to the church traditions. So the simple truth is God sent his only begotten son to be the savior of the world. And all he needs is for us to believe that he and he alone is all we need to come to a saving faith be restored to the family of God. So, why can't we just accept the simplicity of it? Rather than have to come with all this complicated mumble-jumble stuff. Well, that brings us to the second point, the simplicity found in the Bible. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. You can believe every single word was God placed in this book. Paul, Peter, James, John, Isaiah, Matthew, you know, name all the prophets, the minors, the majors, and whoever else. They were just the scribes. 
as God breathed on them. And they wrote accordingly. So the word of God is straightforward, amen? It doesn't beat around the bush. The word of God is straightforward. Everything he wants us to know about him, his son and the Holy Spirit and his plans for ages, uh, for the ages is recorded in his word for you and I to know. Listen, if you're ignorant, that's your, that, that's your fault. Don't, let, don't lay that on the preacher. Don't lay that on the Sunday school teacher. Don't lay that on the church. You can have a Bible. You can hold a Bible. You can open a Bible. You can read the Bible and you can learn for yourself. You don't have to have a college education. Now, it may be good to have one. But the truth of the matter is, if all Scripture is given by God, uh, given by God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, and correction, instruction, and all righteousness, you go through the Bible and the Holy Spirit of God is going to work with you. Holy Spirit of God is little by little, line, uh, line by line, going to give you what you need to know as you grow. And as you grow, you're going to learn more. You just don't handle a hand to a kindergartner a quantum theory a math course <laughs> and expect them to work with it. So God, a little here and a little there as we grow and as we spend time and uh, so on, God will help us to grow. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 gives us the areas of our life. He said it's, it's there for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. Listen, it's not for me necessarily to learn those things so I can come over there and clobber you on the head with it. <laughs> They're there for you and me to read and to glean and say, Lord, I need some correction in this area. Lord, I need some insight. I need some reproof. I need some instruction. So it's there for me. Just like, as Luke says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. Notice, for unto you. The scriptures have been given to us. Corporately, yes, but individually as well. 2 Timothy 2.15 gives us the method. And you and I both know that if you're not going to sit down and study the Word of God, you're going to be about as ignorant as ignorant can get when it comes to Scriptures. You're going to use a lot of this, well, this is what I thought, or this is what I think. Please don't come to me and say, this is what I think. You better give me book, chapter, and verse. Amen? Because if you don't have it, you say, well, this is what I heard. Well, okay, so who'd you hear from? Well, this is what I, you know, you can hymn and holler all you want to. But study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Meaning you just don't have the answers that you ought to have. I understand that a neophyte, a brand new baby Christian wouldn't have all the answers. And I'm sure they've got more questions than they do answers. In fact, the more you know, the more questions you have. And you have to seek for more answers. But that's the reality of it all. I don't want to be ashamed of not having answers when you ask me a question. Then I say, okay, listen, I don't have that answer, but I'm going, to, I'm going to dig for it. And sometimes that's how God challenges us along the way. But we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I wonder how many problems we would have avoided in our lives, how many difficult situations we would have avoided in our lives if we had just studied the word of God and allowed the word of God to go to work in our hearts. Amen. Give the Holy Spirit of God something to work with what's up here between our ears. That gray matter. So 2 Timothy 2.15 is the method by which God expects us to glean what he wants us to know so that we won't be misled or deceived by anyone. Now my mom and, uh, was an avid student of the Bible. And in the good weather in Pennsylvania, it was not uncommon 
And you happen to wake up for four o'clock in the morning or so when it was sunlight outside to see my mother out there on a lawn chair with her Bible and a notebook. Now, she had a high school education. She had some college, but she didn't go to Bible college. But the amount of information that she had and that she gleaned from her reading and her study and the notes that she took along the way. She knew about uh, more about her Bible than a lot of students coming out of seminary know along the way. So you can glean and you can learn because the Bible is not nearly as complicated as you think it is because God has written it at, a, at, at about a sixth grade level and being at a sixth grade level, it means that we should all be able to read it and be able to understand it. Now, there's some names in there that pff, I'm glad you didn't name any of your kids. Because I'd still be trying to figure out how to pronounce them. It took me a little while to get Eloise down. <laughs> but nonetheless, it is the point that Paul makes in Galatians chapter 3, if we can turn also there very quickly. He's, he's, he's rebuking, he's reproving the believers in the city of Galatia. Uh, but in, in Galatians chapter 3 and begin again in verse 1 he said oh foolish Galatians he said, how can you be so foolish and sometimes I think the same thing along the way how could I have been so foolish when I get away from the Lord when I, got, when I, when I was in a backslidden state how could I have done that I wish I had never done that but that's all our water under the bridge. I've got to make sure that I don't allow myself to get drawn away from the things of the Lord. Because it's foolishness to think that somehow you've got some that, that the devil has something better on his side of the fence than God does on his side of the fence. Oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that is, who has charmed you, who has come with cunning and enticing words to lead you astray. And so he said that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or, or by the hearing of faith? And the answer to that is absolutely not. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Are you going to go back and allow fleshly things such as work? Now, we are to serve the Lord. But we don't serve him for our salvation. We serve him because we are saved. And so many churches and religious organizations have practices and doctrines that have no biblical foundation. Is God so incapable that he has to make up and add things as time marches on? No. Not even possible. The beauty of the Bible is that it is complete. And the glory of God is that he, he has given uh, to us, everything that he wants us to know, everything that he wants us to know is here in this book. Because ultimately, eternity, is, we're going to spend it with him. He doesn't need architects up there now. We need him here. But he, he, would, he would have godly architects, godly lawyers. We're not going to need a lawyer in heaven. <laughs> we're not going to need a lot of things that we feel that we need here, but what we need here are those individuals to be godly. We need godly politicians. We need God-honoring politicians. We need godly pastors, godly teachers, godly instructors. And so the simplicity of the Bible is that, it, that all it takes to learn and to glean knowledge 
is to put sufficient time into reading and meditating on what we read and take good notes as we go. As we go. That's all. Now, going to church is helpful. Being in Sunday school is helpful. All those things. But if you come and you're with us all day on Sunday, you're only, that's three hours that you're going to spend fellowshipping with believers, fellowshipping around the Word of God. That may or that may not get you through the first hour or two on Monday. <laughs> but you got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to go through yet. Amen? And you need that time on, on, on each of those days that you can be alone with the Lord. And so it is important. And so that brings us to point number three as we close. The simplicity of the biblical message. Again, back to Luke chapter 2 and verse 11. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. God has made sure that we would not miss this magnificent promise fulfilled in Luke chapter 2 and verse 12. He said, for you shall find this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. But he also sent a star, didn't he? A star that, when triangulated by the wise men, eventually brought them to the place where Christ was. Not in a manger. Because by the time they got there, he was already about two years old. That's why Herod chose to destroy every male in Israel two years and under. The guy was an absolute wicked, wicked, wicked person. And so God shows where Micah chapter 2 verse 5 or chapter 5 verse 2 if each one it is. And he says it's Bethlehem of Ephrata. That that is where Christ will be born. So much in the Bible. I forget the number, but I think there's well over quite a few hundred prophecies that directly relate to Christ. Many of them having been fulfilled already. That you can read about in the scriptures. But we know the Old Testament prophets prophesied of Christ's coming in numerous Old Testament books. Both major and minor prophets without being specific at, at this time, there are passages that are there in them that point to the birth and the Messiah. Also, the character of his life and times, Isaiah, in numerous chapters, writes about it. The psalmist writes also as well. The place that he would be born, penned by Micah. Luke records the first advent of Christ in which Christ is presented as God the Father's anointed Savior. God has no other Savior. There is no other means to get to heaven. God has no other means. God has no other method. No other plan. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. How tough is that? How complicated? How complex is that? For God so loved. What simplicity, what hope, what peace comes to those who accept Christ as one Savior? Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then jump through this hoop and then jump through that hoop and then do this and then do that. No, 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 no. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved 
period. Amen? How simple, how majestic is this message? They sing the song that they came to the manger, but they didn't have anything to lay at the Savior's feet. I had nothing to bring to the Lord the day I got saved. I brought to him a sinful carcass destined for an eternity in a place called hell. And he didn't say, well, what'd you bring me today? What have you got down there you want to give me? Not nothing. I just said, Lord, I'm lost. I need to be saved. And I accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. How simple, how majestic. Works can be a messy, open-ended issue of false doctrine. And there is no way for works to ever be equitable across the equation or the spectrum of this falsehood that one can get to heaven if they are just good enough, long enough, and that the good outweighs the bad. You can't know if your good outweighs your bad until the last split second according to your theology. But I don't have to worry about that. I can look over and I can read in 1 John chapter 5. <clears throat> and let me see where we're going to go here. And I can read here in verse 13. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, this is, this is a reassurance that if you have done this, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. See, the Bible really is very simple, isn't it? And so the simplicity of the Bible message is that one is only ever saved by faith and faith alone. That's the simplistic message. Oh, we need, we need a Savior. That's all been taken care of. All God expects of you and me is faith in his Son. That into which we are to place our faith in God is God's gift, which is Christ. There is nothing you or I can ever do to enhance what Christ has done. Nothing. Nothing to increase our chances of heaven. We are saved by faith and faith alone. Christ, uh, in Christ rather, uh, or we will never see heaven. We will never see heaven if our faith is not in Christ and Christ alone. Saved by faith is the simplicity of the biblical message. The Savior, that's the simplicity of the, of the, of the, of the means. Faith is a method. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time that we could be together. Being reminded that we're saved by grace through faith that not of ourselves. Lord, make us mindful today that we have so much, if we have come to a saving faith in the person of Jesus Christ, we have so much to jump and to shout and to rejoice about. Lord, to think as we celebrate this Christmas season, whether it's the right day or the wrong day, Lord, we know you came. And we know how you came and what form you came and we know what your mission was and how we praise you to have left the splendors of heaven to come to a lowly earth, to a world full of sinners, that they might be redeemed through faith. Lord, not all have this faith. They can have it if they would. They can have it if they desire. 
All they have to do is ask. So Lord, for those who have somehow tried to make it oh so complicated, Lord, may the Holy Spirit remind them that it really is very simple and very straightforward. And that the complication is not in the gospel, the complication is in their flesh. They're trying to argue and trying to find a reason or a footing not to accept by faith. And Lord, may the Holy Spirit of God pull down those barriers and pull down those walls that they would accept you as their personal Lord and Savior. That they might rejoice with us in that our salvation is of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning. We realize that our responsibility is to share this gospel message. Even during this Christmas time. To make sure that in our, in our homes that Christ is honored and that Christ is glorified on Christmas Day as, as well as any other day. We get so wrapped up in the tinsel and the glitter and the gift and all so whether we thank our parents and, and it's not wrong to thank our parents. But how about if we praise God for the job that our parents have, the money that they have that they can buy the gifts. See, God is behind it all. And he deserves the credit. He deserves the glory as he works through us as individuals, whether it's a pastor in the pulpit, a missionary on the field, or an evangelist. And you say this morning, preacher, I don't really know if I were to die right now that I got a home in heaven. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, preacher, pray for me in closing. I have argued for so long that I had to do this and this and this and this. Don't be like my father, my earthly father, who felt for years that he had to clean up his own life in order to make himself presentable to God. Because you'll never reach it. You'll never make it. God wants us to come to him as he is so that he can do the cleaning. So that he can make us the new creature. That's the way it works. Preacher, pray for me in closing. I have no idea where I'm going to spend eternity. Preacher, would you pray for me? Our home viewers listen as well. Is there someone in your home right now that does not know Christ as his or her own personal Lord and Savior? Right now, right there where you are, you can accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and just invite him in. Know that you're a sinner and then call out to the Lord to save you. And if you're sincere in your heart, he's going to put your name in that land's book of life. But as a redeemer of the Lord, let's make sure that during this Christmas season, we magnify and we glorify the person of the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this time that we could be together, gathered around your throne of grace. And Lord, to just praise you for so great a love. Thank you. Now, Father, we pray for the meal downstairs, the food that we'll partake of. Bless the fellowship. Bless the food. Bless Brother Steve as he brings the message this afternoon. And Father, we'll give you the praise, we'll give you the honor and the glory. Now dismiss us with thy blessings, we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And all God's people said, Amen.